This is lesson number three in the series we're doing through the Christmas season that we've entitled Positioning Yourself for a Breakthrough. And we've been talking about how God brings breakthrough in our life. We mentioned to you a couple weeks ago how some breakthrough is sovereign. That God, because of who he is, there is no one like him, biggest guy on the block. He can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, anytime he wants. And he breaks through, and sometimes he does that. He just sovereignly steps in and determines his will shall be done, period. And it's a wonderful thing if you're on the experiential end of a sovereign breakthrough. You didn't necessarily pray for it. You weren't asking for it. You may still need it, but the truth of the matter is you didn't have much to do with how God broke through, and that's sovereign breakthrough, and it is good when it happens. However, there is a lot of breakthrough that occurs because you and I, out of obedience or out of faith, position ourselves in such a way under the heavenly portal, under that heavenly spout, that he is able to break through in our lives because we have adhered to certain precepts, principles, we have obeyed him, we have trusted him, we've exercised faith in him, and because we've positioned ourselves in that way, breakthrough occurs. And this is what I want to share with you, that there's a lot of, a lot of breakthrough that could happen in your life if you would just choose to position yourself according to some of God's precepts. I mean, you, you, could, you could get a lot more breakthrough because some people continually walk contrary to the whole counsel of God or as much as at least they, they know, but, but some of what they know they don't embrace. And because they walk contrary to that, you've automatically put yourself in a resistant, alienating position with God. And God's up there saying, not that he doesn't love you, not that he doesn't care about you. How many of you know God loves you? Sometimes you can love a person and say they've got to endure more pain. And you can love just the dickens out of them. But loving them isn't always relieving their pain. Sometimes it's saying, get, get the pain, man. But you can you could avoid some of that by just saying, I, I choose to embrace God's ways in my life. And, and you'll see a lot more breakthrough come. First week we talked about, is everything in order? I can't go through it all. Go to iTunes, get a CD. We talked about getting your life in order. Is your life in order? And order can bring the breakthrough of God. Last week we talked about can you believe without seeing in the natural? You've got to see it in the spirit, see it by faith. But there are times you've got to begin to believe before you see it. And boy, I've been learning that this week. Sometimes you, got, you just believe. Everything else looks absolutely contrary, but you've just got to get your eyes of faith again. And so we're up to lesson number three. And lesson three... This week I've entitled, Can You Read the Signs of Change? Talking about positioning for a breakthrough, can you read the signs of change? Let me tell you a story. Some of you have heard this, I'm sure, before. There was a watch company, in fact it was a Swiss watch company, that for more than a century had been the undisputed leader in world-class watches. In fact, this Swiss company controlled... 80% of the wristwatch market. Can you imagine? 80% of the world market was controlled by this Swiss watch company. One of its young researchers invented a new, more accurate electronic watch. We might even call it a digital watch. And so he presented it to the, the powers that be within that particular company. And after a careful review, they had rejected his new invention. Why did they reject the new invention? Well... It's because they were comfortable with their century-long success of making watches like they had made them since the turn of the century. And so they saw no need to change. They owned 80% of the market. Why change? There's no need. And so this young man with his new invention actually went another direction. And if you study this particular area, you'll find out the rest is history because another company picked up this young man and picked up this idea, and in 10 years, 10 years from the point that the Swiss had 80% of the wristwatch market, in 10 years, they had less than 
of the wristwatch market. From 80% to 10%, and they had to terminate over 50,000 of their 65,000 employees. Breakthrough was presented to them. A new era was presented to them. A new season was presented to them. And they stood on that point of breakthrough, but they could not see nor could they embrace any need for change. Can I just share this with you? The greatest enemy of your breakthrough is not Satan. You know what the greatest enemy of your breakthrough is? It's your habits, your traditions, your pride. Because whatever it is you do, you have 80%. Why change? I've got 80%. We want a breakthrough, but we're unwilling to make the changes or to embrace the sacrifices or make the adjustments or exercise the faith or do what we need to do in order to get ourselves in that position where we can can continue to go forward and be successful. Now, interestingly enough, in the Christmas story, there's, there's an account that's familiar to you, and I'm going to look at it from a different set of lenses for just a moment, but, but it's going to illustrate the principle I want to give you this morning, and that is, can you see the signs of change? Matthew chapter 2, familiar verses, beginning with verse 1, it says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it's written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they'd seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And everyone knows the story of the wise men. We'll stop there. Despite these ongoing battles that we have in our modern culture over the nativity scene and over wise men, Most of us, when we hear that story, we instantly recognize because of the tradition and because of just the Christmas genre, we understand uh, what uh, is happening here. But there's a little background that I want to give to you that hopefully will put some things in order that might help you see something different this morning. These wise men, as I understand it, were really called magi, M-A-G-I, magi. That may be in the center margin of your Bible. Uh, Magi were actually Eastern astrologers. Uh, They were wealthy men, well-educated, probably royalty, which is why some people actually call them the three kings. But obviously they were spiritually discerning. Now, I want you to know that these men, though they be astrologers in the first century, they cannot be associated with modern astrology. Today, the astrology we know... In other words, if people open up the paper and they read their astrological issues, that is considered, biblically now, that is considered occultic. You need to understand that. Now, some people say, well, what do you mean? Right here, it seems like these guys got away with it. Well, you need to understand that there are corruptions that begin to take place. And there were some corruptions that began to take place even in the Bible to where you get to Acts, the book of Acts, and you run into this guy named Simon Magus, M-A-G-U-S, who is actually from this particular caste. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to to buy or manipulate or to to, um, somehow use the powers of God. So you've got to understand that that these men were worshiping or looking to the stars for direction, but it was a sophisticated science in those particular days. And what they were doing was hearing from God with regards to 
just natural occurrences that were taking place. And these men had a revelation to the uniqueness and the reason for the star and the ability to pack up and travel to see the one who would institute the greatest breakthrough ever. But as we begin to see who they visit when they stop off here in Jerusalem, we see that there are several groups that uh, they interact with at some level. We have Herod the king. We have the people of Jerusalem. We have the priests and the scribes. And these folks were not nearly as discerning, nor were they all that thrilled about the possibility of breakthrough. You see, breakthrough by its very nature means to change. Everyone say change. Say that again. Change. Breakthrough means change. And how many of you know that not everyone is real thrilled with change? Isn't that right? I mean, we're always happy with change when it's good change and it gives me what I want. But sometimes change isn't all that neat uh, when it comes to our life. And each one of these groups represent people today. Now, I'm going to flash these on the screen overhead. And I want you to consider some of the things that were being challenged in these people's lives as the news of Jesus is coming into the equation. The first one's Herod. Herod. Herod actually represents a loss of power or the political nature. And if Jesus was coming bringing change, change meant that he was going to lose these particular items at his disposal. That's what politics is. Politics is the wielding of influence in order to somehow gain or acquire power. And breakthrough never occurs when we're wielding political power. It never comes when we're uh, somehow manipulating people or scenarios or circumstances. And Jesus was getting ready to break all of this nonsense. I mean, Herod, Herod intuitively knew that the way he exercised power was fixing to change. And how many of you know that would have been consternating? In fact, the Bible says he was troubled. He was troubled. The second group is Jerusalem, the whole town, city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents a loss of popularity or the cultural acceptability that had uh, come to pass. Everyone at some level enjoys and they want to be accepted. Is that not true? All of us want to fit in. We want to fit in with the culture. We want to fit in with our friends. We want to fit in with what everybody considers to be normal. I'm going to give you a little secret and this will take you a long, long way. If you'll just get a hold of this one. Culture is abnormal. Christianity's normal. Now that'll really help you. If you get a hold of that. Jesus is the normal one. He's the one coming to demonstrate how life was to be lived. He's saying, listen folks, this is functionality. This is normality. What the culture and everyone else does, that's dysfunctional and abnormal. But the problem is, when Jesus enters into the scene, he challenges the standard or what we consider to be normal out there. He challenges the whole deal. See, because you think about the culture right now, what they think is normal. I mean, they think all kinds of things are normal. You can, you know, you can cheat on taxes and that's kind of normal. You can, um, you can, uh, you can live with somebody for a while and kind of test drive the relationship before you actually make a covenant and the, and they consider that normal. Amen. Um, I listened the other day, listen to this, I watched, I'm, I'm probably one of about 10 people that watch C-SPAN 2, you know, so, but they, they had a, 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 the gay bishop of the Episcopal Church giving a message to someone basically saying how the Holy Ghost was moving and opening up doors and affirming all of this nonsense called homosexuality. That's, that's normal out there, you got to understand, they say that's normal, it's not normal. Come on, Norm, come on. It's not normal. Now, I love people, I love them. I'm just saying you can have a better life. You can have a, you can have a great life. But Jesus is the normal one. So you got to understand when he comes into the equation, he begins to shake it up. That's why people don't want nativity scenes in public squares. And you understand why, it reminds them they're not normal. And they want to be affirmed in their abnormality. Don't tell me I need to change. Just tell me I'm okay being abnormal. That's what this whole world is. It's no longer, if there's any guilt, we want to rid ourselves of the guilt instead of addressing why we feel guilty. We simply say, I shouldn't feel guilty. Well, yes, you should. You're crazy. You're abnormal. You're dysfunctional. You should feel a little guilty. That's okay. 
Otherwise, there'll be a day that we'll be killing one another, thinking that's normal, because I'm just, I was born with the, 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 the murder gene. Oh, well. Then there's the third group, priests and scribes. The priests and scribes represent, I put on the screen, the loss of control or even religiously snobbish. Can I just tell you, religion may be one of the greatest enemies of breakthrough. Because people get entrenched in their religion and their tradition. Once they think they understand what it says, then they just lock themselves down. And they don't understand that the same Holy Spirit that inspired it is the same Holy Spirit that's got to help you understand it and continually understand it. Can I just say this? Because the minute you think you've got it all, you're becoming like God. And, and I'm just honest enough to say I don't understand it all. I haven't gotten it all. I'm continuing to learn more and more. Yes, there are foundational concepts that I can't imagine would ever being changed, like the divinity of Christ and the virgin birth and the authority of his word. I mean, these things certainly are established, but I'm here to declare to you there are things in this book that are still yet to be unveiled to me. And you too. You too. But when Jesus shows up, he begins to speak and opens eyes and unveils, and suddenly your nicely prescribed uh, systems of even your religion get challenged. And that was their problem. They didn't want to change that. They had it all figured out. They had every minute figured out. They knew exactly what God wanted. There was no room for change. I, I've heard this before in people. I mean, literally almost come out of their mouths. They, they said, Lord, Lord, I want you to deliver me. I want you to help me. I want you to set me free but it's going to have to be according to my uh, religious heritage. You know, God doesn't give a rip about your religious heritage or mine. If you think that he's got to work only as a Methodist sees it, you're in trouble. If you think it's just like the Baptists do it, you're in trouble. If you think it's just like the Charismatics do it, you're in trouble. I'm here to tell you, God's not, God is not bound to our systems. He looks and he says, I want to know, are you functioning according to my word? Now, there's nothing wrong with a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a Lutheran or a Charismatic, a Pentecostal. I can tell you all the names of all the denominations. There's nothing wrong with these people. Not at all. Some of them are warm-hearted, born again, love God, all out. I affirm them people. But if you look at God and say, "There's well, God, I'm not sure about this, so I'm going to reserve this off to the side. And, and anything else you want to do, you can do it in me. Let me tell you, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You can't do that with the Lord. So, so change, whenever change comes, there are certain groups, certain people, certain aspects of life that always get challenged. Now this is interesting to me as I read Matthew chapter 2. Did you notice that everyone knew eventually what the stir was about? I mean, it's interesting that, that um, when the wise men came and they talked to Herod and then the scribes, I mean, the scribes knew exactly what the wise men were talking about. So they knew what the stir was about. But it's interesting that none of them wanted to leave Jerusalem. The wise men stopped by Jerusalem because that's where they thought a king would be born. And so they begin to question and have certain things take place. And, and they hear from the scribes exactly what the prophecies mean. And so they decide they're going to go on to Bethlehem in order to see the Christ child. But everyone else, despite knowing exactly what the stir was about, they decided they wanted to stay in Jerusalem instead of going on to Bethlehem to pursue their breakthrough. And I want to stop there for just a minute. They wanted to stay in Jerusalem. They couldn't break free from the spirit of Jerusalem. The culture of Jerusalem. The way Jerusalem does it. They, they, they knew, they kind of, they knew, they'd heard, they put the pieces together. They were the ones that helped put the pieces together. But they did not want to leave Jerusalem. Now here, here's the part that I'm going to enjoy. Jerusalem and Charleston are both called the holy city. Oh, they're both great places. I believe God's got his eye on us and on Jerusalem. But God is not coming to Charleston to endorse our way of doing things. He's coming to bring breakthrough. But we best be ready to break out of the spirit of Jerusalem. Are you with me? I've heard people say, well, this is just how you do it. I don't care how you did it here. 
It's how does God do it? It's not, a, it's not about the culture. The culture is not our authority. The culture is not inerrant. History is not inerrant. Tradition is not inerrant. God and his word is inerrant. Are you with me? So in order for breakthrough to happen, we've got to begin to say, I must, I must begin to shake off the spirit of Jerusalem. I must begin to shake out of my, my feeling of political maneuvering. My feeling of I have to fit in everywhere I go and somehow I'm going to lose control or this isn't like my religious tradition. We're going to have to break out of that if you want to break through because God's not endorsing the mess. He's bringing you through to functionality. Are you with me? And that takes change. Change is hard, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It challenges me all the time. It is easy. And I've told this to Trace and she's told it to me. In a flash, you can fall right back into old ways. Old perspectives, old mentalities. It's so easy. But we've got to change. Now, what characteristics position these wise men for change? Now, you've got to get a hold of this. How many of you know they were called wise men for a reason? <laughs> they were wise. How many of you want to be a wise person? You want to be a wise person? I want to be a wise person. So, we could probably learn a little bit from these gentlemen as to what that means, the characteristics of the wise men that positioned them in order to receive and see and participate in breakthrough. I'm going to give you seven things, and as, as usual, you're going to have to listen real fast. Number one, they could see God's signs behind the natural. People who receive breakthrough are people who get it. What do I mean by that? They are people that can connect the dots in life. They can see beyond their moment or their situation and they can get it. They can get the reason why it's happening. They can get the meaning of what God is up to. I'm, I'm just suggesting to you that, that, that they were people that could look and while everyone else would see stars in an interesting astrological event, there was something in them that gave them the capacity to see beyond just the natural and see what God was saying behind it. Have you ever considered that God may be speaking to you out of your circumstances that you're looking at? Have you ever stopped for just a moment and, and, and looked around you and instead of saying it's bad, it's terrible, it's collapsing, call a timeout and for just a moment utter a prayer and say, Holy Ghost, let me see the hand of God in all of this. For if the steps of the righteous are ordered and if God is holding me in his hand, then somehow or another he may be in here. They connect the dots. They get it. They aren't dumb. Are you with me? Well, sometimes, you know, you just... You counsel with people in the middle of the week of a sermon you preached on Sunday and you go, were you there? Were you? They could see God's sign behind the natural. Number two... They understood the moment to pursue the promise of breakthrough. They understood when it was time to pursue this breakthrough. There's an old phrase that says this, timing is everything. There's a moment you have to arise and pursue God and the promise of breakthrough. You just can't sit and hope. You've got to arise and go forward and believe God that breakthrough is coming. It's fascinating to me that all of Jerusalem was only a few miles from Bethlehem. They were only a few miles from the promise. And yet they missed it. While these magi were hundreds of miles away from the promise and they found it. Why is that? It's because they got up off their blessed assurances and they went forward. And they pursued. They pursued. They pursued. Do you understand? This is, hear me. These scribes had studied the word of God all their lives. These guys that showed up were just these astrologers. Bebopping because God spoke to them through the sign. And do you understand, there are people who have hung around church and have hung around the Lord for decades and they won't get their breakthrough. But there'll be these new ones and open ones and responsive ones that'll just go, wow, God's in this. And off they go. 
and God will work in their life and the old ones will stand back and just go, why is it always working for them? It doesn't do that way for me anymore. It's because you've got to pursue some things. I've been serving God since 1978. And God knows there have been moments that have been challenging, great moments, everything across the spiritual spectrum. But this much you can count on, the Baird household will pursue God. Amen. You don't have to be an old fogey in him. You can be as young in him as you want to be. Lord, speak to me something fresh. Tell me something new. I'm not a know-it-all, praise God. In fact, the more I know, the less I know. I'm just finding that out. So, Number three. They were not, these are the wise men now, they were not upset about the season of change. They weren't upset about it. Let me ask you, does change upset you? It upset Herod. It upset Jerusalem. I mean, if change really causes you just to just be out of sorts, you need to ask yourself why. Why is it that change is so difficult? Because change is necessary if you want to see breakthrough. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me, um, through the years, we've lived in several different homes, and, uh, you know, we've sold homes, flipped homes, and done all sorts of things with houses, and it's interesting to me in our household how this works with Trace and myself, because Trace, when she, when she begins to consider that there could be sort of like a change in housing, man, it jazzes her. I mean, it really, it jazzes her, and she'll say, she goes, boy, I love this, I love change, I love thinking about it. I love thinking about what we could paint the walls. and I mean, she loves that. Now, me, if I hear like there's going to be a change in housing, I'm like, Lord, is there some way we can avoid this? Is there, can, can, we, can we not do this? Where's Ed and Beverly? Do you identify with that, Ed? I bet that should probably fit your scenario, doesn't it, right there. But Beverly's probably just jazzed about, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do. And Ed's probably the one going, do we have to, do we have to? Maybe that's a woman-guy thing. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, change can't upset you because that's the way you get to the new. is through change. That's the way God brings breakthrough is, is through change. Do you understand? Breakthrough is, is synonymous with change. If something breaks through, that means your situation has changed. And so change is going to come. You can't say, oh God, breakthrough in this area of my life and think somehow it's not going to change. It's going to change, and you can't be upset about it. Sometimes he'll change, because here's another problem. You think you know what needs to be changed. So you've already figured out what God needs to change. And then he shows up, and then he doesn't change what you thought needed to be changed. And, you, and then you have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I've been praying for change, but that wasn't what I meant. The Lord says, too late. I'm changing what I think needs to be changed. All right. But they weren't upset about it. Number four. They were willing to leave their comfortability. They were willing to leave. The wise men were willing to leave their comfortability there in Persia in order to go seek out the Christ child. People, it's interesting, people will remain in a bad situation because the familiarity with the bad is better than the stretch of the new. The familiarity with the difficulty is better than the stretch and the risk of what potentially could be. You remember what Jesus said? He, he said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. He said, it, it, they'll just burst. And what he was saying there is, he, they were saying, you can't, you can't put something new into that which is brittle and, and old in its spirit. You can't do that. In fact, he goes on in that parable to say what they will eventually say is that the old is good enough. The old is good enough. People will remain, listen to me, they'll remain for generations in public housing. They'll keep their minimum wage jobs. They'll continue to go to dead, dead churches. They'll retain toxic friendships. They won't make a move to change because it is better to deal with the demon in front of me than it is to even perceive what it might be and the fear that I'll have to endure if I try to pursue that, that which is new. So I'm just going to stay comfortable. I'm going to stay comfortable. The greatest challenge I think we face as a people together and a congregation is not getting comfortable in a nice mall. Amen. 
I, I, I like it. I like it. It's air-conditioned in the summer. It's heated in the winter. It looks like a church when you get in here, and, and it's a wonderful, comfortable place. But I don't believe this ultimately is where God would have us be for the rest of our lives. It's nice, but it's not the future. And so we've got to understand that God will lead us, stretch us, cause us to leap to that next, that next moment of breakthrough, and it will bring change. Number five, they were humble and open to ask for guidance. Humble and open to ask for guidance. It's humorous to me. The very people who did not want to change or breakthrough were actually the ones who precipitated the guidance for the Magi to continue to pursue theirs. I just think that's funny. I, I, I mean, they, they, from the people, the very people who are unwilling to change, they, they get their insight or guidance as to what they need to do. I, I, it's just fascinating to me. You know, I could go back to, I remember, I remember the local church and the denomination I was saved in. And I remember those sweet people and, and a lot of them were just dear old saints in the Lord. And they looked at me and they looked and they said, you got to follow God with your whole heart. You gotta, you gotta go with the Lord. You got whatever He says, you gotta do it. And man, they would, they would exhort me and exhort me and exhort me. And lo and behold, I did it. And it was like they were going, whoa, 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 not, not that much. The very ones sometimes that give you the cheerleading spiel will not be the ones that will continue on with you. For me, sometimes the greatest influence for change in my life are those who don't want it themselves. And you know why that is? It's because I, I, I don't want to be like them. I look at their life, I look what's happened, and I'm saying, I don't want that. So I'm going to continue to change. Number six, they did not allow one wrong turn to keep them from pursuing their promise. They didn't allow one wrong turn to keep them from pursuing. The hardest thing for those of us who have perfectionistic tendencies are to not get flustered when we make one wrong turn. It says that they stopped in Jerusalem instead of going to Bethlehem. Now you have to understand, the reason they went to Jerusalem is because they had revelation that they were going to find a king and they assumed that a king would be found in the capital city. And so they went to Jerusalem. But then once they were there, they found out that was not the case. The prophecy said that it would be in Bethlehem and so they received their, their guidance and then they went on to Bethlehem. But you have to understand, there was, a, there was sort of a wrong turn and they did not allow that one wrong turn to keep them from, from pursuing the breakthrough they needed. Do not let the perfect be the enemy of your pursuit. Not every door will be perfect. Not every situation you are offered will be perfect. You know, many of you have heard that old joke about the flood that was coming through a town and a guy that was in the house and he began to pray and he said, Lord, deliver me from the flood. Deliver me. I'm going to believe you, Lord, that you'll deliver me from the flood. And, and the first people to come by was this uh, fire, uh, fire truck. And they were getting people out of their houses in order to deliver them. And the firemen came to the door and knocked. And they said, we're, we're, we're rescuing people from the flood. And the guy said, no, no, I'm believing God to deliver me. And they said, okay. And off they went. The waters rose. And pretty soon a guy in a little, you know, fishing boat, John boat, came by. And uh, the, the dude had gotten up on top of the roof there because the waters were beginning to to, uh, to rise, and the guy in the John boat said, come on, I'm, I'm rescuing people that are stuck in their houses because of the flood. We want you to get in the boat. And he says, no, no, I'm waiting for God to deliver me. And then finally, as the waters got up to just the, the roof line, and he's sitting on the roof, a helicopter came by and dropped a ladder to him. And he could hear the guy screaming out the door saying, we're rescuing you in order to, to be saved from the floods. And he looked up at the helicopter and he said, no, no, I'm waiting for God to deliver me. And, and the guy died. And he got before the Lord and he said, Lord, why didn't you deliver me? And the Lord said, I tried three times to deliver you. And you have to understand, you can't, you can't allow the perfect to keep you out of your pursuit of what God may be doing. I mean, we got people... Can I just tell you this? I remember when, when I was out of the ministry, this is back in the late 80s, because I was going with what God was telling me and the Holy Spirit, there was a short span of time that I had to uh, work uh, outside of the ministry, so to speak. And I'll never forget, I was riding grain trucks with Spartan Dairy, and uh, then I sold suits at J.C. Penney's. And... Uh, 
I know I had people come to me and they said, why are you doing that? I mean, you're, you're well-educated, you, you, you seem pretty sharp, why are you, why, why are you doing that? And, and here was my answer, I like eating. I like paying my bills and, 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 and I, wanna, I wanna be profitable in the earth. I wanna put my hand to something. And, and when you got your hand on something, God can do with that. But I, I can tell you through the years, this has been the most amazing thing to me through the years. People, people will sit there and say, I'm believing God, I'm believing God for a job. And they'll have 15 opportunities come by them, but they're waiting for a management position. And then they go, why God, why, why, why? And God goes, well, I sent you 15 opportunities there. You don't know that you would be not flipping burgers and on the second day of flipping burgers, someone looks at you and goes, I'll make you a district manager. You never know because you weren't flipping burgers. See, are you with me? So you want breakthrough, but you can't allow one wrong turn to keep you from pursuing. All of us have made wrong turns. All of us have to get up. All of us have to pursue. All of us have to trust God. All of us have to hear God. And finally, number seven, they realized that not everyone really wants breakthrough. Write that one down. Not everyone you come in contact with wants breakthrough. Not everyone you want wants to Go all out for God. Not everyone you come in contact with understands the work of God in the earth. Not everyone. And so there are going to be some people that are just going to go, we don't want that. God spoke, had to speak to them about going another way. They could not go back to Herod. Herod was using this as an opportunity in order to bring death and destruction into the scenario. And so God spoke to them again and they went off in a different direction. But truth of the matter is, there was Herod who was, who was making the, the lip service of wanting to change, but in his heart, he didn't want to change. He wanted to do everything he could to stop it. And you've got to realize that, that there are some times that you're going to have to realize that there are people that don't want to change. And we can love them, we can reach out to them, you can befriend them. I mean, I'm not saying you just cut everybody out of your life, but you better start identifying whose voice is going to have influence in your life and exactly what they're saying and where you're going and whether or not the two fit. You cannot let people who refuse to change keep you from pursuing yours. Do you understand that if you're searching for breakthrough and you're wanting God to do other things in your life, you're going to have voices around you that are going to try to hold you back because the instant you change, it forces them to deal with their own lack of change. It's the same old story about the four or five people at your workplace and, and they get upset, three of them get upset because one of you works harder, longer, you're more excellent in your presentation and what you present to your employer, and the other three are constantly going, would you just relax? Would you just kind of do it like the rest of us do? You're making us all look bad because you're giving your best and you're going all out. And they will drag you back to the status quo. They'll drag you back to where they want you to be. That's why sometimes you get... You get free from your addictions or your drunkenness or your alcohol and, and you've got you to cut some people out of your life. Why is that? Because they want to pull you right back to where they are. They want you to wear the same chains they're wearing. They want you to have the same heartache they have because if you don't have any more heartache, what are you two going to drink and tip one over? You know, you know, you can't share your sob stories anymore. I mean, you've got to begin to break it. The reason your dealer wants you back into where you were is because his resource is getting dried up. Are you with me? I'm just telling you, we've got to understand not everybody really wants breakthrough. And you can't let somebody who says, I don't want it, keep you from going after yours. Amen. I don't give a rip about, I've had people say, well, you know, this, this church does it this way and that church does it that way. Well, good, let them do it that way and if that's what God told them to do. But I gotta go on for breakthrough. I mean, that's just who I am. It's who I am. How about you? What are you going for? You just wanna be like average, average Joe Christian? Who average Joe Christian out there isn't living much better than average Joe world. He'll just put on his bumper, I'm, you know, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. Well, we all know that, don't we? I want to press through with people that are going for it, man. Going for a new season, a new era, a new day, a new possibility. Breakthrough. I, 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 don't, I don't want to keep replaying the same old sad song. I'm ready to break through into something new. 
I'm not going to latch a hold of Herod or Jerusalem or scribes and Pharisees. Man, I want to hook up with some wise men who can look at a night sky and hear God. Amen. Give me that bunch. The camel ride may not be great, but it'll get you to where you want to be. I feel like I'm on a camel right now, by the way. I just kind of bouncing around. Can you see the signs of change? God's bringing change. Can I just, I prophesy to each one of you. Just put your name on this right now. God's bringing change to you right now. He's changing you. Can you read it? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you sense it? Well, here's the key. Are you going to resist it? Are you going to say, Lord, you're going to help me and empower me and enable me to keep going with you, to press through into a new season of my life? You know what? The only difference between those who succeed and those who fail really have to deal with, I just kept pressing on. 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 I just kept persistent. I just kept tenacious. I just kept on. I just, I just kept after it. Wasn't perfect. Made mistakes along the way. But I wasn't just plopping. I was going on. And that's what God's calling us all to, just to keep going forward. Can you see and read the signs of change? Amen. Stand with me, will you? Holy Spirit, right now, I'm grateful that you are the one that's in charge of all change. It was Jesus himself who said that when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide us into all truth. He will teach us all things. He will reveal that which is yet to come. When the spirit comes, he will convict the world of righteousness and of sin and of judgment. You're the one that does this work, Lord. We can be a mouthpiece to your voice, but you're the one that has to take these words and begin to do your work in people's hearts and in their minds, in their spirits. And Lord, I pray right now that you begin to do that, that, that as a year is concluding and another one is just on the brink of arriving, that, that we know in the natural that every new year seems to have with it just change, but Lord, we're not looking at just what's natural. We want to see beyond the natural to what your hand and your voice is pointing out. We want that, we embrace that change, we want that change. Lord, it's your change. You call it transformation. You're taking us from faith to faith. You're moving us from glory to glory. And Lord, we're we're excited about the journey. And Lord, I pray today that you would cause us to be a flexible wineskin. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would not be brittle. Lord, no matter what our age is, whether we be in our senior years or whether we be in our younger years, Lord, our biological clock has no determination as to our youthfulness or flexibility of our spirit. Lord, I know there are senior saints and young saints, Lord, that would say yes to you. Whatever way you move, whichever way the wind blows, we shall go. Lord, keep them in that position. Lord, for those that find change hard, I pray for them right now too. I pray, Lord, that you would send an anointing. Send an anointing. Let the oil begin to flow to loosen them up in their spirit. Cause them, Lord, to be flexible in the things of the spirit. Lord, we're not being flexible with, with, with precept that you have nailed down in your word. That We're not flexible with, with that. We understand those are... Those are stakes in the ground. Those are anchors. But Lord, there's a, there's a movement to your spirit and an application of it that we've got to be open to as you call us to move forward. So Lord, I pray you give us wisdom as we pursue you in that. And right now I'm praying for breakthrough. There are folks here, Lord, that are needing breakthrough before the year ends. And I want to pray for them right now with every head bowed, if you're needing breakthrough, we've, we've taught three lessons and any one of them or maybe all of them could have touched you. But right now with every head bowed, I just want you to lift your hand. If you're needing, if you're needing breakthrough before the end of the year, just kind of lift your hand up and I just, not so much to me, but just say, Lord, that's me I'm needing some breakthrough. A lot of hands going up. Just keep them up just for a moment. Just keep them up raised before the Lord. Father, you see these hands right here. 
Lord, they're just identifying an area of their life that's needing a breakthrough. So, Lord, I'm praying for them right now that you would, Lord, begin to take whatever lesson, word, phrase, whatever it is that maybe it was even taught or said, and that you would enliven it now in them, that they might hear your voice and embrace it and position themselves for a great moving of God in their life. Thank you, Lord, that you can do that. You came declaring a brand new day. I declare over you with your, with your upraised hands right now, I declare over you a new day, a new season, a favorable year. I declare over you right now a breakthrough of, of God proportion. That right now God's, God's doing things and moving behind the scenes, beyond your, your natural eyes. He's doing it. You've got to believe that right now ready to bring about a great breakthrough for you. You need to, with your upraised hand right now, I know you've been lifting it up, keep it up for just a moment. You need to right now, right where you're standing, just begin to thank God and just say, Lord, I'm thanking you, I'm hearing what you're saying to me, I'm going to implement those things that you've underscored in my heart as I've heard it, and Lord, I know you can be counted on to bring breakthrough in this area of my life, and I thank you for that. Lord, you're not going to be dealing with a resistant person here. I'm going to do my best to get myself positioned under your portal for a great breakthrough. So thank him right now. Thank him and make your commitments to him right now. Come on, make that commitment to him. Say, Lord, I'm making my commitment to you. I'm not saying rededicate your life to Jesus. I know you love the Lord. I know you're serving him. I know, I know all that stuff and he does too. But you need to commit to being wholehearted. Wholehearted. Those who wholly follow the Lord. Come on now, you can do that and he'll do for you. And it won't be a burdensome thing. It'll be a great thing. You can drop your hands. Thank you, Lord, for working in those folks' lives. I just agree with each one of them right now in the name of Jesus that you'll do exactly that. That they are going to be testimonies on those praise reports of breakthroughs right now. Lord, I declare, to be, I declare this week to be a week of breakthroughs. Amen. Come on now. This week. You know, obedience, when, when you're obedient, it doesn't take long. Obedience is, is, causes things to speed up in the economy of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, this is what we do all the time, even in the Christmas season, with every head bowed, every eye closed. If there are those that are here today, though, that... You'd say, you know, I'm really, I'm just not right with God. And I need to be before I go. And I want to get my life positioned in the first step that I need by confessing Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done that before. If you've never done that, then this is a moment that you can do that. Perhaps you've walked away from some commitments. And again, I'm not debating some doctrine with you. I'm just saying it's time to jump out of dead doctrine and get into live relationship. And you just say, you know, I, I know I'm, I, I just know I'm not where I ought to be. And it's more than just this little thing here. It's, it's, it's really I just need to get right before God. I need to humble myself. and I, I need to just be prayed for before I go. You know, God loves you. That's the most amazing thing about the Lord is how much he loves people. He loves people. He loves them when they're just wayward and I, it's just an amazing thing to me now doesn't mean he's endorsing you and what you do but he loves you cares about you wants the best for you but he's not going to violate your freedom he's going to let you make a mess of it and then when you reach the place of exhaustion you can hear his voice say how about how about letting go and letting me be in charge and there may be some here this morning, that's exactly what you hear God saying. Why don't you just, why don't you quit your running, and dodging, hiding? Just quit. It's wearing you out. You need some rest. And you know what? You'll never rest until you rest in Him. So what we do here is we just call people out publicly. The reason we do it isn't to put you on the spot or embarrass you. It's just because that's what Jesus said. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me, then you leave me no choice but to deny you before my Father. And so we just tried to do it the best way we know how.
just loving people, cheering you on, wanting the best. But before you go this morning, if your heart isn't right, we're not talking just a precept or two, we're talking your heart's not right, and you know it, he's knocking at your door. Then before we go, we do this every Sunday. I don't know of many that we let go by, but I just think it's important we give these opportunities. If that's you, right now, just slip out and just join me here just for a moment, and we're going to pray if that's you. Slip out if that's you. These last moments. Ladies, you just, just come stand. Come on. If that's you. Anyone else? You won't be the first. There are others here. If that's you, just come on. We tarry. This is the moment. We just let the Holy Spirit kind of do his thing and talk to people. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Everybody, we're going to pray. We're going to pray right now. I want everyone to pray together. Everyone, lift up your voice and say, Dear Jesus, thank you this morning for talking to me. I'm responding to you. Lord, I turn from my waywardness and by an act of my will, as you've empowered me, I repent and I walk towards you. I believe in my heart your resurrection power can change me and transform me. I receive that. Let it work in my life as I confess you now. I believe a new season is coming. I'm hoping in you. I'm believing in you to see that take place. And I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy that has embraced me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Praise God. I know Noah's here and Beverly slipped in, so they may pray with you before you go. But folks, this is a big week. I, I need you to believe all through the day. I need you to believe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Amen? We're going to believe together. I, I'm really kind of interested to see what God does. That it should be a great report next Sunday. I guarantee you it'll be a good report no matter what next Sunday. It's always a good report. So, Lord, bless your people. Lord, I pray that you just overshadow them with favor, that as we go our separate ways, Lord, that you would cause victory to be in them and, and work through them, and that all this week they would find themselves continually on the victory path as I bless them with this release in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.